Hello, everyone, and welcome to One for All, that weekly show where we rewatch and review the anime My Hero Academia. I'm Annabeth, and I am joined today by my co-host, Nancy. Now, today, we're actually going to be jumping into Season 3, Episode 19, which is Rescue Exercises, which, if I remember correctly, is a pretty funny one. Yeah, we uh, launch right into the next test, and it's very different from the last one. And I remember the first time watching it being a little surprised, pleasantly surprised, I would say. It's a good one. We'll talk about this a little bit after, but I think it's in some cases it has some levity in some places, which maybe shouldn't have mm-hmm. quite so much levity, considering what they're there to test. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that after the episode. Before we jump in, how has your week been? This is the week that I discovered the K-drama crash landing on you. So my mind has been consumed by it. That and WandaVision. So much WandaVision. So much WandaVision. WandaVision everywhere. I mean, by the time this airs, it'll be over. There's only two episodes left, I think. Yep. Now that is an example of how to do a superhero TV show in a very different way in a very good way. Kind of like MHA, actually. When Marvel goes weird, they definitely do it right. Oh, yeah. Which is amazing. I remember when uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was coming out, and we were like, is this a thing that they're going to be able to really, really? like... Really? Can they pull this off? Yes. <laughs> yes, they they can. See franchise. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're even appearing in Thor Love and Thunder. That's true. Which is crazy to me. Early, early screen... Not screenshots. Pictures from the set... Have Chris Pratt with a beard. And Chris Hemsworth with very large arms. Very large arms. Very, very nice, very nice arms. He's very buff right now. Oh, yeah. But we will not regale you of stories of MCU actors and their nice arms, even though I'm reasonably certain we could talk about that for this whole episode. It's just exciting to have Marvel stuff to talk about again. That's all. Just to have Marvel arms? Yeah, I'm sure that Chris Hemsworth, uh, what does he marry? His wife feels the same way. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth in the original Thor is so ripped. It's, <sighs> so ripped. <laughs> it's, it's literally unbelievable. But we're not here to talk about the MCU this week. We're here to talk about MHA. So we're going to hop right into that episode and get back to you in a couple minutes. See you soon. And we're back. Nancy did it this time. I'm very much surprised you. Yeah, I was watching the sound wave form because there was noise from my keyboard tray. Which you didn't hear, audience, because we cut it out. Because we're pros. Because we're pros like that. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So what did you think of this one? I like this one a lot. I don't think it's necessarily like the most exciting episode, but it does give a lot of world context Mm -hmm. to like the job, which we don't get a lot of. We also get to meet, what did you call him? Cousin It from the Adams Family? Oh yeah, and we'll get right into that. So the episode just jumps right in with the recap. Test over, new test. And we have 100 students now. They're going to go into round two. Which is a rescue exam. Yeah, we see them sort of watch the screen that shows like the, their surroundings uh, where they had just been fighting and such. And we see a giant explosion. They blew it up. They blew the whole thing up. Seems very dangerous. And they learn that they are going to go out and rescue what they call bystanders, which makes sense. They are bystanders. And they're not just anyone. They are professional victims, basically. <laughs> The Help Us Company is a group of people specially trained to reenact being in a catastrophe, more or less. They got fake blood and 
they're going to be injured and crying and mm -hmm. not in a, a great place so that the folks in the exam can actually go and rescue them. And the students learn that they are expected to gather a certain amount of points to pass. Although, as for how they are gathering these points, it's a little fuzzy at this point. Yeah, they don't explain that. They're just kind of relying on them to use what they know. Yep. Um, to honestly evaluate their capability to do this. There's a little aside where Deku and Tenya are talking about how it feels like this was set up to be like the Camino Ward incident. Yeah, like they point out how it looks a lot like it. And in that situation, there were a lot of people who probably were killed as a result of that disaster. So it makes sense that they would want to prepare people for something like that happening again. Now the exam examiner, the tired guy, uh, is like, hey, we're going to start in a couple minutes, do mm -hmm. your bathroom break, whatever. And we get like a little bit of time in between, you know, when this all starts to meet some characters uh, establish some things about some characters we've already met and deal with the start of a just what I consider to be a dumb plot point. <laughs> um, so we have some interaction between Mineta, Saro, and... Kaminiri. And Kaminiri. The other perv. <laughs> who are... Saro comes and admits, confesses to the interaction between Deku and... Kami. The Kami, the Shiketsu girl who we know that can shapeshift, but she becomes quite naked during the process. Yeah, and Mineta and Kaminiri are... Like, excuse me, how come Deku got to be around this naked lady? Yeah, they're like, Deku, we were out there working hard while you were just living it up with the ladies. Like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. And poor Deku, the earnest Deku, who is not a perv. No, cause, and, and also, it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. Like, they make it sound like it was this glorious experience, but it was very uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah, he's trying to explain that this was more like harassment, and it yep. wasn't okay, and they're like, but that's all right. So during this encounter, Kami waves to Deku, and as sort of like a, a very normal friendly wave actually and the boys are very jealous and like that's indicating that there's something going on between the two of you and he's like no i swear it's not and he continues to feel very awkward and uncomfortable and we also see ochako is kind of watching in the background and you can tell that she's still a little uncomfortable too yeah she's feeling a little sad mm -hmm. and a little stirred up and doesn't really know what to make of it yeah we don't really get to go into that feeling right now because todoroki is still trying to figure out why this bald dude doesn't like him a whole lot. And this is a great time to talk about Cousin It. Yes. The Shiketsu students approach our group of students here with Todoroki. And we meet... Nagamasa. Nagamasa, who basically is Cousin It from the Adams family. He's a whole bunch of hair. And also includes Inasa and Kami. Yep. And Todoroki's like, yo, bald dude, why do you hate me so much? And he's yep. like, I hate all of you. Yeah, basically, he mentions that, you know, he has Endeavor's eyes, and he's just like Endeavor and stuff like that, and he walks off. And Todoroki is a little taken aback like that, because, I mean, for him, being compared to Endeavor is, like, the worst. Yeah, nobody hates Endeavor more than he does. I know. So what is up with this? Why does this guy seem to think that he hates Endeavor more? And we don't really go into the details, but it is definitely indicates some tension. Yeah, we don't get to linger here because the test starts. Yes. And the building they're in just opens up. And they're off to the races. Bakugo runs off on his own because he's Bakugo. Yes, and he doesn't want to be with any of his you know, fellow classmates. He's just going to go out and rescue all these people by himself with his Bakugo-ness. But of course, he's not alone. No, because his friend... Kurishima. 
follows him, and then Kaminari is third wheel to their yeah. love relationship. Mm-hmm. So the two of them run off with Bakugo, and he's like, why are you following me? And they're like, because we just decided to. Yeah, pretty much. And hey, you know, it worked out really well for all three of them last time. They passed, so why not do it again? Deku hears a child crying, and he rushes in, and he sees his child, and this kid is covered in blood. And he talks about how he can't find his uh, he, grandfather. He's been crushed. He's been crushed, and Deku's like, he freaks out. He's like, oh no, that's terrible. And then the child immediately says, mm, no, points off. Yeah, it's revealed that the child is not a child at no. all, but an adult man. Just a little person. Who yells at him mm-hmm. very loud in a exaggerated fashion. This is where the levity is that yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure is appropriate. Because this is supposed to be a test situation, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that they... The way this scene is drawn is drawn for comedy mm-hmm. while also being informative. Yep. Where he's like, no, you're doing this all wrong. You can't show up and say, oh God, that's bad. Mm-hmm. You need to say, it's going to be fine. We're yep. going to help you out. Deku, is a point of note, and we'll cover this in a second, is like, man, I'm such an idiot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these people are going to be the scorers yeah. for this exam. So when you fuck it up, they take points off. Which makes sense if you consider the fact that they're the ones that they're going to know right away whether there was a problem or not. So it makes sense that the quote-unquote victims would actually be the test takers. And I think that what he says here is a good point. Like when you get, I think all of us probably know, having been in a situation of, you know, crisis with COVID-19, like how important it is to have like a calm presence and leadership and how much that big of a difference that can make when you have that versus when you don't. I know I've experienced that in even my day-to-day life. So pointing out that you need to have someone there that's going to be able to calmly take charge and keep, you know, spirits right and show everyone that everything is going to be all right is important. Yeah, he points out that the the victims are going to be scared and in pain and worried and you need to reassure them. Um, We get to see the difference a year makes as the Shiketsu students clear a landing pad for like a helicopter and make space for a road. Yeah, like both of the other schools, I mean, they come in and they clearly have practical experience here. And class 1A, if you think about it, they have zero experience it's here. It's been four months. Yeah. The only time they would have had any experience was with that rescue training back in season one with 13. But even that was interrupted by villains. So even though they have all this great experience with combat and with facing real life villains, they don't know what to do here. Eraserhead has left them woefully underprepared. Yeah. Ketsubutsu Academy sets up a first aid station. Mm-hmm. And seeing these things like... Eraserhead is the stand-in for the audience here. And he Mm -hmm. even points out, like, wow, a year makes a big difference here. But Deku, being Deku, focuses up. He slaps himself in his face and Mm -hmm. he remembers what he he loves about All Might. Right? Like, All Might was like, everything's going to be fine because I'm here. And he's like, I got to focus in on, like, what my dream is, basically. Mm -hmm. I got to live that attitude and I got to do the thing. So he tries again. He tells the, the kid quote-unquote, that mm-hmm. everything's going to be fine. He picks him up, tells everyone he's going to get this kid to the first aid station to look for other people. And he sort of gives some of the other students some jobs to go and do. And and he runs off. And when he runs off, Ochako's like, oh, I really think I kind of like him, but also he's so focused on his dream. Maybe I should just be focused on, on my work and just forget this feeling 
for now. Yeah, and I have sort of like mixed feelings on this moment because you're able to see like you're able to see where this revelation comes from. We even have all these flashbacks scenes of her with Yuga, for example, pointing out, isn't there someone you like? And all these other people that have pointed out, like, clearly there's someone that you care about. So I think it's important for her to realize that yes, she does care about Deku. Like she has feelings for him. And I do think that in the moment of the test, it is probably the smart idea to table those feelings and to focus on the situation in front of you. But I kind of feel like she tables her feelings here forever. (laughs) It's, I don't want to get too much into this, but there's greater social commentary here, particularly for women, like modern women in the workplace. Like we see this in the United States a lot where folks feel like they have to choose between feelings and romantic attachments, Mm -hmm. family and career. Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah. Like, to be expected to either just be the career woman, so focused, do all the things, or be the family woman who mm-hmm. cares about her family. There's a lot of books coming out in the last couple of years from women at, like, top CEO mm-hmm. positions and stuff talking about the balance and guilt and stuff like that. So it's interesting to see, like, a, a young love yeah. situation here. And her just be like, nah, I guess this isn't important. I guess I'm going to pack this away for good. Yeah, and I understand that you are definitely, you come to certain seasons in your life where one is going to be more important than another. Like we know people that decided to forego work for while their kids were young for example, and stuff like that. And again, I totally get that. But the idea uh, is of, you know, Ochako finally understanding her feelings, which I think is not unrealistic. She is quite young. Maybe she wouldn't have gotten to this moment. And then immediately deciding that they're not worth anything is a little disappointing. I remember being that young and Mm -hmm. how hard it would have been to like let those things go when your hormones are going absolutely bananas. Mm -hmm. Like that feels like the most unrealistic thing about this. Yeah. That she's mature enough to just be like, nah. Yeah. I can focus up. Especially where they've established Ochako as being kind of this more carefree character. And yeah, she can focus when she needs to and she's definitely can take things seriously when she needs to. But they haven't established her as like the workaholic. She's not Todoroki or Momo. So I don't know how realistic that would be. Well, especially too, because she's rooted in being a more, a character with more emotional attachments. The way that she, the reason she wants to be a hero is because of her parents and she Mm -hmm. wants to take care of them. Clearly she is a character who lets her heart lead the way. Mm -hmm. So it feels very out of character for her to not do that in this case. But maybe like in, like I said, for the test in this moment, it would make sense, but not like... That's the, it. The next whole season yeah. and beyond. So, and the show doesn't linger on it for that for that much longer either. I think it's only you know thirty seconds. We probably talked about it longer than the show did. But yeah, because we're obsessed with character work. The bigger picture, I guess, for this episode is we get a flash that there are some you know maybe villains coming, test villains, admittedly not real villains, hidden hidden villains behind doors. Because this wasn't hard enough. No, they gotta up the ante. And then we have our little commercial break. Choo! Sound, cue sound effects. Yep. Uh, and we come back focusing on Inasa, who is going to use his amazing wind abilities to simultaneously blow away debris and babies. And babies. Old yep. people babies. Old people babies. And it's commented on here that his powers are actually more impressive than they appear. It's not like he's just blowing the wind. He's controlling, like, all these little smaller winds that are able to do different things. Yeah, he's got really subtle control Mm -hmm. over his power, which is great. But 
he gets docked points because it's sloppy to just pick up children with debris. Yeah, don't blow babies in the wind. It's not a good call. And it's commented on here that he is also a first year and not a second year. It's actually commented on by, by Seiji. Um, who Who's is, in the stands. Who is watching him in the stands, providing with the background commentary. With and, their teacher. Yes. Who has no name. Who has no name. And looks terrified. No, he looks absolutely terrified by, by his students. Although the teacher does point out like, hey, you're being awfully critical for a guy considering you just failed. <laughs> yeah, they have a discussion about how Stain changed everything. All Might's retirement on top of it. It's led a lot of people in hero society to talk about hero reform mm -hmm. and like what should heroes be. This exam is a good example of this where it's much more stringent and much more difficult. Like they're trying to raise the quality of people. Seiji actually mentioned this in the episode where he was talking with Bakugo. Yeah. But the teacher points out that this process needs to be a hopeful one and not one that is full of just toxic dialogue. Like, it needs to be about making things better and not tearing things down. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, we won't get what we want out of it. And I think that's a really important note. Stain mattered more than the five episodes that he was in. Yes. Lasting consequences. And Seiji's still a dick. Yeah, he's really a pompous ass. And I'm glad that we don't really see him beyond this point. Instead, uh, we go back to Momo, who is on the ground. And she has found an old man that is buried in like a building, a collapsed building. And Otrako sees him and she's like, oh, I can help out. And she starts to rush in. She prepares to float the debris that it has fallen on him. And the old man thinks, hmm. Better not do that or you're going to get docked points. Before Ochako can arrive, she is held back by Momo. Yeah, she she pops out this, like, stop arm. Yep. <laughs> to stop her and explains that the way the debris has fallen is, like, barely standing by happenstance. Mm -hmm. And that if she were to make things low gravity, like, it could all fall down. Mm -hmm. So they have to be really careful. And then... Class 1A coordinates. They do some good teamwork. Yeah, we see Momo make like a steel girder um, that she can use to prop up the debris. Uh, this is some, another actually really good episode to show is that maybe rescue efforts are where Momo should be. Because I feel like this is a really good use of her powers right here. And knowledge. This scene where she basically like opens her shirt and like makes a girder yep. for Sarah to tape up. All I could think of in the moment is she's got all purpose breasts. Yep. I don't. <laughs> what a weird thing mm -hmm. to just be like boobs for everything. Yeah. There are lipids in here. But yeah, she makes a steel girder. From her chest, which mm -hmm. is a really bizarre looking scene. No, it is kind of strange, but you know, it works. Like they are able to prop things up and it gets to a mo point where Ochako can safely take care of the debris. And at that point, we kind of get the students going off and fracturing and doing other things in different groups. They realize this isn't really like all the, you know, the entire class stays together and does one thing. They have to kind of spread out to take care of different victims. Yep, so they break into smaller groups, trying to head where their powers will be the most useful. Like, Shoji is going to go uh, scout because he's good at finding things and finding people. Same with, who's the animal guy? Koda. Koda heads out as well because he can use birds to, like, locate folks. And Sue and Todoroki head to the river. And Tenya even points out that this is a situation where it's good to even work with other schools if that comes in handy because... That may be the best way to rescue people. And Ernest Tenya, like he would continue to rescue people no matter what, no matter what the outcome was. 
because that's really something what his brother would do and something that he would do because he's such a good person. He's a good person, and I feel like he's grown a lot from his from the stain incident. Mm-hmm. Like his failure is sunken pretty hard for him. Yeah, and he he really wants to make up for it. He's very focused. Yes, uh, since that point in the series, uh, and he's running around trying to help everybody and you know get folks where they need to go and motivate other students, including Yuga, who does his sort of a uh, laser laser beacon laser laser beacon again. But one student who is not necessarily, hasn't necessarily grown or is as focused is Bakugo, who happens to come across a couple of injured people and he tells them to fuck off. (laughs) And as a point of note, they're not severely injured. They can walk. And they even mention like, it was probably good analysis of him to realize Mm -hmm. we didn't need someone to bring us to the first aid station we just need to be told where to go but they point out that he's rude yeah like his tone tone was awful for people that are scared and injured in a bad situation and that's always the problem with bakugo if you think about it he has the smarts he has the skill but he is just handles things so terribly it's just attitude yeah it's just all attitude and fortunately for him Rishima and Kamenieri, they go and they help the, the people. But Bakugo has no patience for it. And it's getting rude to them on the way out, too. Meanwhile, Deku is bringing young child impersonator to the first aid station. Mm-hmm. He gets there. They do a little bit of triage. They find out that he's not severely injured and can go wait with the other people to be evacuated. And while this occurs, there's an explosion. Yes. It's a twist. It's a twist. The villains are busting in because when you're in a bad situation... Sometimes it's not just about rescuing people. Sometimes it's about rescuing people and dealing with villains. And they have some stand-in villains for this situation, led by Gang Orca. The number 10 hero. The number 10 hero. And the number 3 hero for looking like a villain. Villain. Which makes me wonder who is 1 and 2. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, But he does have like a very villainous look to him. So making him appropriate for this. Yeah, it's it's really great. He's a powerful enemy. And they point out like, are you able to defend people and like evacuate them at the same time? And Eraserhead even was a little taken aback by this. He points out that this would be like a bad situation for a pro hero to be in and that that they're really testing these kids it shows how seriously they're taking it what i think is interesting is his commentary on that because like he's recently been in that in season three like where he needed to get the kids to a safe space but he also needed to fight with the villains who were attacking and had a really hard time with it and he was in the same situation in season one if you think about it when they were attacked during as mentioned before 13's test the rescue test so we've seen firsthand how it can be a bad situation yep and Mineta's having a meltdown about this yep. it's like isn't this too hard yeah this is too hard i don't i don't want to have to try this much because Mineta doesn't belong in this class no he doesn't it is such like especially after getting all those moments with the other students momo and tenya and even yuga like seeing them like put their all into this test and then having Mineta say but it's too hard <sighs> He just wants to hang out with ladies. Yeah. As we learned in his big sort of origin story moment back in season two, all he wants is just to hang out with hot ladies. And that's where we end our episode <sighs> with the villain's arrival. Yep. Deku looking resolved. Mm-hmm. And the the big guns coming out to fight. You see Isana is going to come fight because he's, he's good at that. He's super powerful. All that wind. All that wind fighting villains. Can be his thing. And who else do we know who can really let loose with a high power level? Todoroki. 
Mm, I wonder how this is going to go. Not well. <laughs> and as a point of note, you won't find out next week. No. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because next week we have that, like, a bonus filler episode. But it's in the middle. A story arc. When this... It was before the movie came yeah, out. Yeah. They wanted to set up for the movie, I guess. Um, so they th- threw in a filler episode. When this episode came out, Nancy and I sat down mm-hmm. to watch MHA and find th- out the thrilling conclusion yeah. to this part of the arc. And what we got instead was this special episode and we were pissed. And now, yeah, because during after, at this point, we were watching the episodes from week to week. So it wasn't just like we could watch an episode that was kind of man and then go on to the next one. We didn't get what we came for is what I'm saying. And I know this is a wonderful argument for you listening to our next episode, but we'll make it fun. We promise. Yeah. You'll hear us yeah. bellyache and, and, and bitch. Yeah. Which is always funny always to listen fun. to. Yeah. Before we go ahead to next week, so what do you think of this episode? What's your sum up? I, I think it's a good episode. Like okay. I said, I don't think it's as action-packed as some of the other ones until the end when yeah. things are about to pop off. But it gives a lot of really great context to what heroes are expected to do, mm-hmm. right? Like we got a little bit of that when 13 was talking about rescue efforts in season one, but then... We haven't really touched on it yeah. since then. We've seen it in practice mm-hmm. occasionally, but it's only ever touched on lightly. Having somebody outright explain, this is the meat and potatoes yeah. of what you do day to day and like what things we think are important gives us really good material for understanding what the hero society values mm-hmm. and what their role is like within the larger structure. It also puts 1A after having... An incredibly triumphant first exam from beginning to end, basically. It puts them at a disadvantage because it puts them in a situation where they do not really have any experience and are going to have to figure out what to do on the fly as a result. Yeah, I also think it's interesting. There are two exam points Mm -hmm. that was mentioned. Where are the year two and year three UA students taking their exams? That's true. I mean, we know that there are multiple locations. So I guess the argument could be had that they are over where class 1B is at that location. But it is kind of strange that there are no UA students for year two or year three. I didn't think about that. I was thinking about that while we were watching this episode. I was mm-hmm. like, where do, the, where do the older kids take their test? Mm-hmm. Because there are year two students here. Yeah. So it's clearly not subdivided by grade. Yeah. But anyways, the world may never know. I do think this is a really solid episode for building the world. Mm-hmm. I think it is a good place to see some characters really shine. Yep. That we don't always get to see. They don't get the big spotlight like they would in an episode about them. But seeing how their powers can be used to rescue people was really great. Yes, definitely. Do you have a plus ultra character of the week? This week, I think I am going to give it to Momo for mm-hmm. her very excellent and accurate assessment of how best to use everybody's powers and mm-hmm. analysis of what they need to do to save individual people. I think that's incredibly fair, but to to split things up a little bit, I'm actually going to give it to Deku for his moment where he was faced with a brand new situation, basically, that he never really dealt with before. And he was able to go from freaking out to stepping up and becoming more like All Might. So good job, Momo, and good job, Deku. Now, if you want to tell us who you thought did the best job this week in this exam, you can do so. On Twitter, we're at One For All Cast. You can find us individually there directly as well. I'm at Incidentally Anna, A-N-A, and Nancy is at 
Watch Nancy tweet. Additionally, if you love the show, we'd love for you to give us a rating or review over on your podcatcher of choice. It really does help folks find the show, and we appreciate it so much. Thank you to everyone who has already done that. Now, don't forget to check out all that good fiction on Amazon by this host over here, Nancy. You want to talk about about your own stuff today? Sure. Please check out my superhero series, the Red and Black series. Book four, Past and Future, is going to be coming out in April, so you can catch up right now. I also have a short story that appears in the superhero fiction anthology, Beneath the Mask. Ta-da! Now, I want to take a moment to thank all of you for listening. Every single one of you. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. We love you. If you weren't here, we wouldn't be here. That's just the, the long short of it. We make a trip every week, an hour trip to and from to record this podcast. And so it is a labor of love for certain, and we do it all for you. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to Richard DeCosta for our opening and ending credits as always, and a very special thank you to my co-host Nancy, who again puts up with my bullshit every single week. Uh, we will see you next time as we dive into the special episode, <sighs> Save the World with Love. We'll see you then. See you then.